everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reading Party Podcast with Megan and Lexi. This episode continues our season looking at modern retellings of the Iliad and the Odyssey, ancient epics known for both brutal violence and instances of sexual assault. This episode is not suitable for under-18s. We hope you have your favourite beverage and snack ready to go, because we've got our teas and are ready to start spilling the tea on our latest ancient story. Hello everyone and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Reading Party Podcast. This week we're continuing our discussion of Maya Dean's fantastic book, Wrath Goddess Sing. So, Wrath Goddess, the mm-hmm. second half, Yep. we left off what, they just got to Egypt? Yes. So what was your favourite part of the whole Egypt experience? See, it's hard because I love so much of it. Um, but also, it was so brief. So yeah. you Maya get, packed like, a lot into a relatively short expedition. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not going to see a lot. Um, so I would say probably the journey down to like Akhenaten. It's mm-hmm. like like it's not called Akhenaten, but it's clearly the home city of Akhenaten. So um that was like super chill because i've always loved the amarna period so anything that's got like that stuff in it i was like yes no that was that was cool and i liked um so on that journey that like you find out that helen has essentially followed them like in spirits deity form and then she possesses a couple of egyptian guards and attacks them and oh amazing and then, and then, and then you have the whole reference to Joseph, mm-hmm. who will be the, like, the main character of Maya's next book. But Joseph was a trans woman who, from what is revealed in this very, very brief episode, ends up in a relationship with Akhenaten and Nefertiti, mm-hmm. which is super cool. And catchphrase of the book unexpected uh so that was awesome my my favorite part of egypt i think was the labyrinth Ooh, i mean that was such a close second (laughs) so good i mean you know it's it's really like a like a smorgasbord for uh any egypt lovers because it's a bunch of like easter eggs really Mm -hmm. um because there's not enough time to go through anything not super vital to like the plot Mm -hmm. but um yeah the, i i loved the labyrinth it was it was just like um i was a little confused because i was like so so is this like the minotaur's labyrinth or is it like inspired by i was like what on earth is this inspired by this this labyrinth mystery of like 300 rooms i was like come on there's nowhere that big in uh in, in ancient egypt so i was like what is this so i was um yeah, it was a happy surprise because I was just like, oh, oh, this is different. It was, it was very cool. And then there's the the crocodile. I never, I never know if they're crocodiles or alligators. I can't remember. One of the two, great big giant lizard things with teeth, like creeping around the labyrinth. And you're not sure if it's actually there or if it's not there, but it's really spooky. And it's kind of made worse because Mariappi says before they even go in, like, I've got what four rooms deep into this thing, and and if you go any deeper you get lost forever so you're like are they gonna are they gonna come out again and the whole reason they've gone to egypt is to find these um what these god-killing weapons yeah. that um achilles had looked for in the amazon the tomb of the amazon queens and it wasn't there it was a trap set by helen so you're like is this another trap and it's not they actually they get the weaponry that that they're looking for in this um like awesome like neck piece armor neck mm. piece that is supposed to protect you from the gods being able to see you and, and influence you. So that was very cool. And I also just yeah. thought it was poetic that these are like ancient god-killing 
moon rocky sort of like <laughs> sci-fi weapons found in Egypt, but I love how um they were given Greek names of significance. That was like such a such a welcome surprise. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it shouldn't surprise me at that uh, like anymore, but uh, you know, to name your sword Aletheia, which means truth. It's literally the word for truth in Greek. And then I think she named the uh what was it? The 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 spear was it? Uh or was it a I don't remember. I spear. I think it was a spear, but um either way the other weapon uh it was it was um Vimos, which is like um after the the god, the embodiment of um terror. Right, because like you have the two gods, more brothers, who are the sons of Ares, uh, Phobos and Vimos, fear and terror, which is sort of a rough translation. That's not mm. actually what it means, but yeah. So I was kind of like, oh my god, she named her spear like terror, and the sword is truth. So she's gonna go and fight the freaking Hittites uh, with 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 fear, with with terror and and truth. It was awesome. It was so cool, but also it was a bit creepy because I was I was literally just not sure. Like, uh, you get this like dream sequence where you meet Kia, who, if you are into Egypt, you'd probably be like, "What the fuck?" Um, but Kia was like Tut's mother? Question mark. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Like we think that's who she was. We just know her name, but that's really all we know. But it was like. So I was like super chill. I was like, okay, that's cool. But then when you when you have like uh, Akhenaten and Nefertiti's names, I was um, equally shocked, but pleased that uh, Maya used their like long ass Egyptian yeah. titles because yeah. I was like, come on, Nefertiti's Nefertiti, and then she like goes for it, and I was like, oh my god, is she gonna name her the 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 Ankepre Nefer Neferuatan Nefertiti, and then she like goes for it, and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Maya's attention to detail is nothing if not impressive. I know. Oh. It's, it's so good. My Egyptologist so heart was like bursting. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna cry. Someone got it right in popular fiction. It's not a history book. <sighs> yeah, it was super cool. And then the confrontation between Kia and Achilles. Because they, yeah, you're right. There's this like weird dream sequence when Achilles goes into the labyrinth to find this weaponry and like passes out or goes into the divine realm or something. We're not entirely sure what happens. This is after the giant lizard with massive teeth part of things. Um, so she's in this this like other place with, it's not even Kia. Is, is it like her sarcophagus? Yeah, it's her sarcophagus. And so she's like, in it and it's like achilles like touches the sarcophagus and then establishes this connection where she can like see inside of it yeah but, and like, he is like who the hell are you what are yeah. you doing please tell me why i should not like kill you right now and achilles is like no no i'm like you i'm like you and you get kind of flashbacks of like kia's past and the torment she suffered as a trans woman and then Achilles obviously has got all of her own torment as a trans woman and Kia's like, oh, so you think we're the same because we have similar pasts. I don't think so. But she gives her the weaponry anyway. Because um, of this whole, like, I was, I, I don't know how, I mean, you know, please tell me what your reaction was, but the whole, like, Kia really doesn't like the gods. And so she was kind of like, I will kill you now because you are the daughter of, like, Athena. And you suddenly have Achilles just being like, well, oh, wait, I I'm a t I'm their tool. No, I hate them too. I'll kill them too. Were you like a bit like what? Um, a little, but not massively, because I felt like there had been enough, um, like little bits and pieces scattered throughout the first half of the book, where Achilles has like zero actual respect for the gods, and especially with what Helen's doing. And the like, the backstory that gets revealed by Athena and and Hera, like it, it felt a little sudden, but also I I could like I could see where it had had come from. Okay, yeah, I guess like I guess it wouldn't have been like it wasn't the most shocking, but I guess for me when I read it, and then especially after her mother essentially transforms her into yeah. a real woman. 
um, th- there's that whole kind of like part where she was kind of like, okay, well, now I will no longer curse my mother because she gave me this gift way too late, of course, but like but, she gave it yeah. to me. And so there was that whole passage where she was like, yeah, okay, I'll do whatever the gods want, including going to this war. And so then to suddenly be like, yeah, I'll take these weapons and I will kill my mother, kill the gods. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, I mean, I can see why you have no love for them, but uh, just, just being like, all right, rage, rage, kill. Okay, cool. Yeah. I also wasn't entirely sure if she was, if that was a decision made in the moment just to get the weapons and like maybe wasn't. She wasn't entirely planning on going through with it. It was a yeah. little, a little unclear. Um, yeah, that's that's what I thought. I was like, okay, well, maybe she's just gonna lie because she's like, I want these freaking weapons, mm-hmm. but I need um, them. Yeah. But so anyway, anyway, she gets them. She gets them, and then she like wakes up from this, but also then she finds Brzeos and Mariapi, and they also had found the box of weapons mm-hmm. so you're kind of like in this but so who actually found them yeah a little mysterious um and then they just sail back to Pyramses. you skip all that because she was just like ah, and they sailed back the way they came past x city x city x city and x city and you're like okay there's obviously speedboat version exactly and then uh I was a little sad. I was hoping to get some Odysseus in Egypt action, but nothing happens. It's just, and he got the grain. They got and the grain and they're going they go back. Home. Yeah. Yeah. So very brief, but it was very much appreciated for people who like like ancient Egypt and more other Near Eastern cultures. I it, yeah. It, it was a cool little diversion and side adventure. Um, and I think that's something that came up in the last episode as well that this is like the Iliad almost plays a a backdrop to the story of Achilles so you you Mm. get all of these extra little bits and pieces that aren't included in the Iliad but are like I think pretty plausible if you're looking at it as a 10-year war I mean I think you said last time they have to get grain or they're all going to starve and I mean where do you get grain in the ancient Mediterranean you go to Egypt um so that it, it it made sense it was very fitting for the time and the place and it it just adds a little bit of um like depth i think to the book as a whole yeah no i totally agree with that um so then after they get back um or well it kind of ha- like it like i guess it's revealed in egypt but like they don't do much with it but then they get back and then suddenly um achilles is pregnant and so yes. is very happy, right? Yes, they're both pregnant, and like I think Brasewos in Egypt, because Achilles is kind of nauseous, and she's like, maybe I ate something weird and funky, or maybe Helen poisoned me, or something. And Brasewos is like, you're pregnant. Are you a moron? <laughs> uh, like you're you're pregnant. You'll be fine, but there is a baby inside you right now. Uh, so that was, and it's Achilles' baby, not Achilles' baby. Of course, it's Achilles' baby. It's Agamemnon's baby. <laughs> Which is, I mean, again, we spoke about the difference in their relationship to what you see in the Iliad and literally every other version of this story. And in this, not only are they like good friends and having sex, they are now having a baby. <laughs> and it's the like it, it, that goes back to the beginning of the book, and it's like the thing that Achilles has daydreamed about, like mm-hmm. having a baby. Um, and now it's happening and it's really great except there's also this war going on and and we know (laughs) that she will die so then what happens to the baby yeah well and then and then i guess i was even more shocked just because i was like look i'm i'm not trans so i can't speak to this but i'm pretty sure that if i was if i were and then woke up with actually the physical change too, like magically by my goddess mother I'd be, like, tracking my periods and shit because, like, hey, that's exciting as hell. So the fact that, like, there's this line where Achilles was like, I don't think I've bled since I started the war. And I was like, it took you how many months to, like, not notice that you were not having another period? I'm sorry. I was like, um, the experience of, like, every woman ever is like, fuck, this month is my period, fuck. So, um... 
I was just like, wow, okay, okay, I don't know how, all right, I don't know. I was just like, I, I am super annoyed every month because I, when I know it's coming, I'm like, and this is when I wish I could say, oh, this is when it would be, but it's not. So I was just like, to, yeah, wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that was just my stray observation of, you know, <laughs> the chapter. And then Mary Appy's pregnant too. Yeah, I was like that timeline was a little more unclear to me at least because mm. I was like, what? But but wouldn't she have been pregnant like before? But maybe not. I mean, she gives so skipping forward a bit. She does. She goes into labor like a couple of months. I feel before Achilles. She does. That's delivers. True. Um, that's true. Yeah. So they get back and I don't know. They're, they're kind of back into the war and. I, whole... I don't know where it drops us off because I was a bit confused by the timeline of the war itself. So mm -hmm. it was like they got back and I think as soon as they get back, that's when we get the duel. But no, no, because they go out and fight first and mm -hmm. that's when. Well, no one important dies, right? Like they go to battle and then they come back and they're all blood soaked and whatever but like nothing changed mm -hmm. oh and then that's when mariapi goes into labor yeah yeah and it's all stressful and sad and and not what i was expecting considering no. mariapi was like oh yes my my family we have a history of being strong in childbirth so everything's gonna be fine yeah and then it's like she's like casting doubt onto achilles where she was like I mean, your mother's half goddess, so you should be fine. But also, you come from a family with, like, big heads. So that sucks to suck. So, like, good luck pushing that baby out. And she's like, but my family, we're all, like, we're strong, we like, yeah. like, childbirthers. And so you're like, okay, so she kind of sets it up where you're like, okay, so Achilles might die from this because of her family's history, but Mariapi will be okay. Mm -hmm. So I was completely shocked when Mariapi started having, like, really bad problems and the fact that um it, like it wasn't coming it wasn't coming she was praying and then i thought it was a very funny touch for her to also be like starving the whole time she's like in labor where she's like give me food i just need to eat 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 and i was like is this like a real reaction from like a pregnant lady i was like i thought pregnancy was the i want to eat but not labor it 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 varies i couldn't eat when i was in labor because i was like kind of nauseous but first labors can go so long it's mm. like i don't know the average but it's not uncommon for it to be like 12 to 24 hours of labor so you do get hungry um I, yeah it was it was amusing yeah but okay so but as a mom though how did you uh read and 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 sort of uh, absorb the whole birth Saga. It was it was very well written. It was obviously heartbreaking because you you get to the point where you know that there is an actual problem. This isn't just it's a labor. It's going to take as long as it takes, and then you're like, oh god, oh no. Um, and it was it was it was hard reading. I so I've I've had a stillbirth. Um, before uh, my son Harry and that was obviously horrific and reading it and kind of not really reliving my own experience because it was a very different experience but reading it and knowing that the baby is probably not okay and you can tell that Mary Appy is also not okay and like how many lives are we going to come out of this saga with it was it was very shaking, um, but I think it was very sensitively written, and um, yeah, it was very sad. It was very sad, and then then later you have the descriptions of so uh, for those who haven't read the book, Mary Appy and, and her baby don't neither of them make it, um, and Achilles is convinced that Mary Appy has found a way to come back from the dead because they've been doing these magical spells, and Mary Appy has like said I 
found a way I can do it so she like Achilles refuses to let anyone do anything to them she won't let Patroclus embalm Mariappe which Patroclus is deeply upset by because it's it's what his wife wanted she's she's an Egyptian royal this is this is what they do it's incredibly important and she's like no um and she I think she she makes the promise to him I will I'll preserve them myself and she she does through like goddess magic um but then you get this description of Mariappe lying like in I don't know if it's if it's in her sarcophagus or just just lying down but they've put the baby on her chest and they're both kind of made up for their funerals and it's just like oh ah my heart is just breaking right now um but it, it was it was very well written and Achilles grief was it made a lot more sense for this to be the reason why Achilles refuses to fight um I don't know if it's because I'm a mother or because I'm a woman or because I'm just not a warrior type person but having this grief be the reason why she won't fight as opposed to um like some manly spat over a slave girl um it felt a lot more real to me yeah no i agree completely because i mean i'm not a mother but i'm still a woman and like i don't know i you know obviously we're not dudes we're not guys so we can't like speak to the experience of that bromance mm -hmm. thing. um but in terms of like female bonds of friendship like it's been going on for centuries like i mean i remember reading in high school like characterizations of relationships between women in like 1700 1600s mm -hmm. and like women were encouraged at that time to form such close bonds with their female friends that like they were basically encouraged to actually just fall in love mm -hmm. um because it was like either your husband or your best friend friends uh, mm -hmm. you know like that, those were your options to sort of fall in love with so um just in like knowing that historically and being a woman myself mm -hmm. um having several close friends like yeah it makes a lot of sense that like um if a really close friend of mine died like that I'd be like, no, 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 no. I don't care if there's war. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. staying in my tent. Yeah. Um, and so especially we because to, like, throughout the labor, you've got Achilles essentially crying out to the god, saying, "You have got to do something to save my sister." And like, remember, the whole war is for the gods. It's, it's their thing. It's their like. That's why they're all there. And Achilles is like, "This is the literally the one thing I'm asking you for, and you can't do it." Yeah. Tell me why I should go and kill people for you and they were there they had some gods mm -hmm. she went and she was like all right cow goddess goddess of fucking marriage and childbirth and shit like do your do duty. something and what did she do she she went and she was like okay well i'll get uh iphigenia to come and help you um so she comes and then can't do anything yeah. which i found interesting and then she even like begs her mother and her mother is like okay well i'm doing everything i can but it was interesting to me how like in this retelling the gods were like too weak to do anything so it's like they were trying but mm -hmm. they were too weak and i yeah. found that really interesting uh so they're not these like all powerful i can literally fix it by snapping my fingers so mm -hmm. um placing limits on it was a really interesting choice but i think it really works for the plot mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah that was hard to read but no yeah, yeah so it makes it sense and like in her grief uh Berzewos essentially uh gets so mad that um achilles won't fight that Berzewos uh, like ups like, and leaves yeah he's just like on his own is like okay i'm gonna go join agamemnon bye um i should well we should mention because we kind of skipped over it because this happened after egypt but um, oh yeah they have a threesome Ag agamemnon brzeos and achilles mm -hmm. um they were just like talking and then there's this like admission of hey when i was a woman i like really had a thing for you but then you got on your <laughs> ship and left but um yeah <laughs> and then he was like oh yeah i remember i you. remember you interesting and then and then they're like having this flirty exchange in the Don't tent. They wrestle? They do. They have this like flirty exchange in this tent. And so Achilles is like sitting there with the two men talking about this. And then yeah, Berzelius was like, Yeah, well, when I was a woman, I wanted to wrestle you, but then you like left. And he was like, 
well, we can wrestle now. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, this is not going to go well. Like, like anything that, that starts and ends like that is going gonna, is gonna to turn into something more. And then they were like, yeah, great. And then Achilles has this like horrified, perfect reaction of like, in the tent, do you want to wrestle? And they're like, yeah, 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 you can, you can judge. She was like, okay. <laughs> and then so it's like they wrestle, and then Brzeewos like beats Agamemnon, and instead of him being like as pissed or as mad as you might expect him to be, um, he's just like, okay, cool. And now we passionately kiss, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so that happens. <laughs> So that happens. I don't and know. And then Briseiwos like... just leaves Achilles when Achilles won't fight. And it's like, I'm going to go stay with Agamemnon for a bit. <laughs> okay, were you as shocked as, as I was about about the, the, the threesome or, or having, like... So, yeah. not, not hugely because like, you know from the Iliad that there is this relationship in like between Agamemnon and Briseis and then because of the change between the between Achilles and Agamemnon in Wrath Goddess I was like okay I can see this being um a relationship but being a different kind of relationship so I was uh, like a little surprised but not not massively because it, it made sense like Achilles like didn't seem to be terribly emotionally invested in either man so like having Brasewas and Agamemnon have a sexual interaction like didn't seem like it would trigger any kind of jealousy on Achilles part so I didn't expect a threesome but I did expect Brasewas and Agamemnon to like have a fling or something um so yeah okay. it was it was interesting though and um it was cool yeah yeah no it was uh unexpected again yeah. the theme of this entire book unexpected, unexpected. but uh we should talk about yeah. zeus yes yeah so, throughout, so um, throughout like the like middle and second half of the book there's this like planet is it a planet is it a star i don't know it's kind of metaphysical like coming closer and closer and closer to earth and athena and the cow goddess are always like look that's um that Zeus, we have to essentially wrap this whole thing up before he gets here, because once he gets here, we're all fucked. And, like, it lands on Troy? I think... I'm not yes? sure. I, I think, let's go with that, it lands on Troy, and then they're like, okay, well, Zeus has arrived. We'll do our best, but we're screwed. And there's this eagle suddenly flying around, and it, it's Zeus, and then he comes to visit Achilles. Yep, and and this is like in the depth of uh, Achilles' grief. So mm -hmm. like she's just been pouting and not fighting, and then apparently like Zeus is the only one who's like promising. Okay, well, uh, if you don't fight, I will you know have the strength and I can bring Mariapi back. Yeah, and and do like, all these stop things. Helen. He's trying to say that he's on her side, really, and that goes about as well as you think it would yeah um yeah so he's like i'll protect patroclus patroclus couldn't go and fight in your armor and i'll protect him and there's this like scene of essentially patroclus rampaging down to the battlefield and killing everyone in his path and then he gets to hector and zeus like pushes him onto hector's sword or spear do i remember that right yeah it's it's uh like zeus uh guides the spear into his back and apollo who is backing hector makes sure he falls on the sword so so yeah. he's like impaled from the front and the back yeah. which is like so he's murdered by gods horrible. essentially it's not even a duel it's just like instant death yeah so i was like oh shit okay well yeah, that was rough yeah so patroclus is um dead um and then uh uh, I'm trying to remember what exactly happens next because Achilles like finds out that he's dead, and then obviously is like so pissed that um, you know Zeus didn't keep his promise, but like surprise, surprise, big mm -hmm. shocker there. So then um, gets out and and the duel happens like quite quickly. Mm -hmm. 
you know they don't spend the time there's no time spent really like in the movies or anything where it's like you know you have these big scenes yeah yeah so it's like we crammed in Penthesilea and Hector in the same scene and it was kind of like a really abrupt I felt almost like super abrupt because it's like and then Hector just dead Mm-hmm. And then Penthesilea is dead. And then Achilles is ragey and goes back to her tent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That's it? Like, I don't know. If, I feel like I was like, expecting more mm-hmm. just a bit. I don't know. Were you? I was, yes. So I got the feeling that Achilles has just lost her patience. And she's lost her family. She has very little left to keep going for and we've just kind of got to the raging, wrathful part of the story. And she's like, you have to die now. And she goes and she kills them. And that's that's kind of it. Um, but no, I was expecting a bit more of an elaborate kind of drawn out battle sequence. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's Hector. But okay, like, whatever, cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I guess my timeline is still, because because as we've said now, like, yeah, the war is just kind of a backdrop, an excuse, but it's it's not the focus. So so I'm I'm a little lost as to where in really in the war this was, yeah. but after Hector is dead, at some point, um Priam comes and begs. And I also thought that was gonna be a bit of a bigger scene, but it was like Yeah, it was just yeah, sure, he can take the body. I don't care. Well, she asked for three things. Oh, and yeah, like and in a very calm way. You know, yeah. she was just like, I want you to give me helen well i can't do that she's not mine to give okay can you give me the city well i don't remember exactly what it was but there was some caveat where he was like i would do something but i can't Mm -hmm. and then it was like okay bless my child and i will give you yours and so he was like okay sure that i can do yeah um he like puts his hand on her belly and blesses the child neoptolemus and then like hector goes away and it was literally as fast as just that. I get I get the feeling that the the ten year span or like nine and a half whatever year span of the the war in the poem is very much condensed. This is not a ten year book. This is mm-hmm. a few months. Um, and I, I like I think that's probably deliberate on Maya's part. A lot of having like you and I have both spoken to her before we've done an interview that will be following this episode. Um, But what she's trying to do is write a story that is feasibly the source material for the Iliad. So you have this, this, this war, this battle, and then it kind of gets blown up into legend and then myth. So I suspect it's not supposed to be that like the 10 year epic we know and love it's, a shorter war that then gets in later times misremembered as this like epic 10 year um, siege. But yeah, because this is most definitely not, I'd be surprised if this was even a year in real time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I, I, yeah, I literally just cannot figure out the timeline, Mm -hmm. but, but again, that's, that's kind of like the nice part because it doesn't, matter so yeah. much yeah because the story is about the people yeah so yeah so um but then um hector goes home and then I- am i right achilles like goes into labor immediately after that I, it's it's pretty close to um i can't remember i i think it's it's very very close to that um and it's like it's another thing where you know that this ex- this can't end well. You know that. It's not going to be a good ending to this particular labor either. Um, oh, and her, her princess girlfriend from right at the beginning of the book has arrived. Apparently Athena oh, went and right. told her, like, Achilles is having a baby. She needs you. So she, like, gets on a ship and sails over. And Achilles sees her and is like, <sighs> and they actually have, a, like, a dream meeting a few chapters mm-hmm. before this they're both like they're both their subconsciouses are like in an astral plane somewhere on the beach lying together talking the way they used to um and that that was very sweet and then she comes back again at the the end of the book and i i did like very much that that relationship was repaired um 
she said, I wasn't going to come, but then your mother told me what you were naming the child. And it was the name that they had picked out together for their imaginary baby, um, if they could ever have one. So she, yeah. she comes back. As, and, and then I think, as I said, like the, one of the other most shocking parts was when Achilles goes into labor and then starts to also, the 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 baby is not the trouble, but she has trouble yeah. because um the the gods are like on another plane and they are shooting her with arrows mm-hmm. and attacking her, and I'm kind of just sitting there like the fuck. It's very um, trippy. I like the yeah. the end of the book is super super trippy. Um, yeah, so she's she's giving birth to this baby and like crying out in pain as one does uh, in labor, and it's not because of the labor; it's because she's being shot with these like, metaphysical arrows, um, and no one can see it. So yeah, I remember my reaction was just like, if I were one of her mermaids, just seeing this happening, I would have been like, "What the fuck is going on? This does not look like a normal childbirth to me." Is like- no one else concerned by this? because she's like she's like screaming and retching and Mm -hmm. like you have this description of her like like desperately like hanging and sagging and then brzewos is like trying to catch her and i'm like okay but i'm sorry but pregnancy does not make you like literally like melt into the arms of someone like sagging like 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 if anything you're you're pushing against them but she like sagged Mm -hmm. and i'm like is anyone else concerned that achilles is just not acting like a normal woman in labor like I have questions, I have concerns. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I did I did like that it wasn't a. Um... It, it wasn't ever going to be a normal birth experience for Achilles. Like she's a demigoddess maybe a full goddess by this point like her her status as mortal shifts quite dramatically during the book so i'm like don't quite know where she stands on the mortal divine spectrum right now um but you know that the mortal part is definitely ending and it has to end because it's the iliad it's what happens achilles dies um and her dying during childbirth in the way that mary Appy did i think would have been less believable because of who she is so i think having the gods is very much it's like a fitting or it's maybe a more believable death for achilles but it's also a fitting like climax maybe for the whole like divine battle that's been going on and you kind of think achilles ultimately dies from all of these arrows and you're like well i guess helen's won and then there's like a whole other chapter or two. How many chapters are there after Achilles dies? No, there's two. There's, there's two. two. There's like one super long trippy one. And then, yeah. 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 No, I was like, I was like, no, it's going to be some sort of epilogue thing. It's, it's just going to be like what happens with the child. And then you go into Super Smash Bros. Brawl Land. <laughs> <laughs> And then you become <gasps> what I've decided to call Transformer Kirby, where <laughs> the where Mariapi, like her spirit, found a way with the mystical moon rock thing to preserve her essence. But right, so they, they take the body? what is it? It's like meteor meteoric iron or something that the gods are allergic to or vulnerable to and she makes it into like bodysuit of armor yeah which is awesome and you're right very much transformers and then it sucks what mary appy and achilles and patroclus inside it so they're like a, a goddess made of these three spirits because it's not even like one person. Like, no, because you've got like dialogue everything. between the three of them, and but she's like, sitting on this throne on the moon. Body. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, there's all this dialogue where it's like the three of them together in one body, where you have the dialogue. So I'm imagining, it's like you don't see the body moving, the mouth is not moving, but you just have the flashing of the thoughts. Which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's so meta and so confusing. So I'm like, all right, cool. And then. um 
and and then the goddesses are dying so both Hera and Athena are dying mm -hmm. and then like Aphrodite or something is dying and then they like um absorb her and then they absorb like, like Zeus and all and... the other gods and they're like you must play nice now because the thing about the meteoric iron is they can't get out again once they're yeah. in they're in they're stuck like these are your roommates for the rest of eternity you better deal with it so so the this process of like osmosis is kind of like kirby swallowing his enemies in super smash bros brawl <laughs> so i'm just like so he's I'm got really his hat changing as it goes yeah, so I'm just imagining this transformer metal person on a throne, Kirby swallowing people, but they don't ever come out. And um, then it's like all of them together, then they become like millions in this one against evil Helen, who they chase around in some epic like Transformers chase in the It's moon. like It's like an anime mecha fight scene. That's what's going on here. It's like something from uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Like, rampaging across the moon, fighting each other. And it's epic and it's awesome and it's very confusing. Yeah, so I was like, this is quite trippy and I didn't really know what to think other than, okay, this is happening. But then they... Um, so... I don't know. Like they don't defeat Helen. How? Well, I don't know because like Helen is like saying that she's going to curse Achilles with the "You are going to be forgotten." The mm -hmm. only person who will know is the person who's protected, which is Didamia, her original Skirin lover, who takes her son Neoptolemus, um, because she has like the 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 brooch, the the necklace thing, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, to protect her but then she was like yeah you will be erased and everyone on earth will remember you as a man um which is and and like changes her story so that's kind of the explanation for how we get the, the iliad modern iliad mm -hmm. which i thought was clever yeah i was just like wow but did i don't know i couldn't tell did they actually like just trap helen with them yes. not in the body but like in space or i so i think what happened was they ultimately do end up trapping her, but it like it takes. They trap her, and she doesn't actually like come to peace with it like the rest of the gods do. So like giant Achilles Kirby swallows all the other gods, and they like they they finally find peace with each other and and can reach some kind of agreement as to like we should not be doing this anymore. Um, I I think eventually they also swallow Helen, but she doesn't kind of acquiesce in the way that they did, but she's trapped, so she can't do anything. Um, but this whole experience takes like millennia because you have descriptions of time passing on earth and like civilizations rising and falling and um, persecutions happening and all of this stuff, like they've, they've broken the cycle of, of, of the gods, like, warring and one side winning, winning and then everything kind of resetting they've broken that cycle so humanity can kind of just keep going by itself um but they're just kind of like in space with this giant battle with helen um yeah yeah it was and like the gods realize their own legacy as they're forgotten because there was a, there was that one like paragraph or line or section where it was like yeah, Zeus was the most revered for millennia, but then one day people like stopped believing in the gods, and then Zeus's reputation became one of like whoring, murder, um, like just like mm -hmm. horrible dude. And then there was that line about like, yeah, he realized his like reputation now <clears throat> as like the biggest manho, and he was like, well, now I gotta like fix that. <laughs> so I was like, what? I mean, yes, accurate, yes, but like, but... what? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I, so time in this metaverse with Transformer Achilles Kirby, which is, I, I love that that's just what we're calling I, her. It, it works. It describes perfectly what is happening. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, so that's all happening. And then it's so interesting because that's like a long ass chapter, but then the very last chapter of the book goes all the way back to as soon as 
Neoptolemus is being raised. Mm-hmm. Um, because you do get that Neoptolemus and Didamia went back to Skiros, I yeah. think, to be raised. And then she's just like remembering fond memories of Achilles, I... yeah. Um, so then I think the very last scene is just like she's there um with Neoptolemus on the beach, mm-hmm. and then she's like, you know, having this reflective moment about Achilles and it's like we did it and then it's like the end and you're like oh okay how much acid did I just take and exactly in, what happened here in just like the last two chapters I think is I think it's deliberately confusing um mm-hmm. because I think Maya's trying to give a sense of like how the divine realm operates on a completely different set of rules to what we're used to and what we live with um but i do feel like i need to go back and reread that chapter just a couple of times Mm -hmm. um to get the hang of like exactly what happened um Uh and i like i want to reread the whole book because there are like you said with the egypt thing there's all these little easter eggs and i feel like there are probably little details and bits and pieces here and there that i maybe missed or didn't fully appreciate the first read through because I was like so engrossed in the actual meat of the story. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved it. Yeah, no, I think overall mine did a great job. It's clearly well-researched. It's, oh yeah. Uh, it's very entertaining. It's definitely not a historical book. Mm-mm. It is definitely just completely work of fiction, but a fantastic work of fiction. Um, I would say this is the kind of book that you read if you're just looking for something wacky and fun, but also kind of historical, but also just like super unexpected, Mm -hmm. but also not maybe a book for children. Absolutely not. This is, if you're looking for something like Percy Jackson with a little bit more historical context, do not choose this book unless you're 18 or above. If you're 18 and over, you go for it. Enjoy yourself. Um, <laughs> tell Brisset was we said hi, uh, but <laughs> absolutely not for, <laughs> for our younger readers. No, no. you might be traumatized a for bit, all time. Oh, before we end, can we talk briefly about the whole the role that blood sacrifice plays? Yeah, I know this. Yes, so this comes up again in, in the interview we we do with we did with Maya, but that was so clever. Mm-hmm. That was so clever. Like the whole point of the war is to give blood sacrifices to the gods because blood sacrifice is what kind of powers them and gives them their magic. And then uh, you find out like towards the end of the book that um, Achilles herself is a goddess. It's not just like a demigoddess, but actually divine and can take these sacrifices for herself, which is one of the reasons why Zeus was keeping her off the battlefield so she would not get more powerful. Um, You also find out that she turns, like, she transformed her own body and was Mm -hmm. the source of the storm right at the very beginning when she was swimming across the ocean to Agamemnon. That wasn't Athena. Like, she did that to herself because she's got this divinity and it's stuff that she wanted to do and it was like an extension of her power. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. And I love it. But also, oh my God, so much blood. Yeah, I mean, that was really unexpected. I think once I understood what was happening, it just, it it did, it made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, the initial, I was kind of just like, but because you know i think we're so used to when like the greeks wanted to pray to the gods. anyone really wanted to pray to the gods you make your food and then you know you scrape a portion of your food into the fire and you say to the gods and then you just dedicate that or if you really need something you would sacrifice an animal Mm -hmm. or at worst i suppose a person um poor iphigenia in the original source material but like um yeah no one's ever gone with the like if i kill you in battle then automatically your power your essence your mind yeah yeah so i was like that's quite a new one um i kind of liked it but you know what it, it honestly made me think of it as a like uh i started thinking when i was reading that this would transform excellently into a video game <laughs> 
because yeah. if you're going around and like every person you 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 basically kill uh goes to like feed someone's xp i'm like all right choose your god choose choose um choose your 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 skill tree um every time you kill an enemy um that's more points for for your skill tree mm-hmm. um so i yeah i i kind of had this like massive video game type of thing in this my head every time i read excellent a battle. video game just the whole story i was like i was thinking about that and i was like i think this would lend well especially with the trippy sort of mm-hmm. end um it would be really hard to show that i think in specific definitely movie form but even tv form that would be hard. i was like this would lend great to a graphic novel or yeah. a video game be a fantastic a like final novel. fantasy style cutscene right at the very end like the big yeah. epic battle between the the giant kirby transformer and and whatever other gods I was kind of like, but how fun would it be to play this final fight scene oh, fighting so Helen fun. as the Transformer Kirby? So fun. Like, just, like, can can um, Nintendo make it so that way, uh, since they make the original Kirby be able to just, like, swallow people, um, c- can they do it so that way they can animate this Transformer, like, metal thing <laughs> Giant bulging to cheeks. swallow people? <laughs> I yeah. wanted to ask also what was your what are your like having read through the whole thing what are your thoughts on having Helen be the main antagonist how did that play for you you know it was really interesting because it was so unexpected and I kind of really liked it but also I was kind of like well if she's the antagonist and if she's so evil the only thing that I guess I never really got past and maybe it was just because we had to take it as like she's just wily mm-hmm. in all ways, um, but the fact that they Menelaus was written in a way where he was very protective and careful about women in general, mm-hmm. and so I would imagine that it would extend to his own wife and the fact that it it was like fought for her, but she didn't care. But even then, the Trojan War historically is like turned into the pseudo love story between Paris and Helen, if she wasn't stolen, then she ran away with him. And, and to have literally nothing in this entire book about Helen and Paris. Is pa- does Paris other than... even appear? Yeah, because there's a duel between Menelaus and right. Alexandu. Yeah. So, but again, it's like it such a minor when... character. It is. And like Achilles sees this duel from very far away and it's described almost as quickly as the very quick duel between Hector and Achilles. So, um, like, there's no emphasis placed on it. So, like, yeah, he's such a minor character. He's only mentioned. But the fact that Helen herself is just like, yeah, I was one man's wife. And then I was taken by another one. And now I'm going to have them fight a war for me because ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting, but also, I guess, yeah, there were parts of that, for me at least, where I was kind of like, that doesn't track with how i would make sense of it mm-hmm. um there's a fair bit of stretching of the imagination i i feel that needs to be done especially when menelaus is written the way he was mm-hmm. i mean i think to me it might have been a little more believable if menelaus was uh kind of like the menelaus from like the ba- the brad pitt movie where you know he's just like it's not even about her it's mm-hmm. just, it's my property was stolen like then it would make sense to yeah. me then that helen would be like yeah, it was one man's property, and, and then another, another one stole yeah. me. So I'm being bartered as property. But to have one written like he really cares and has a lot of emotion and feelings, and then the other one like it's not written about at all. So you don't even you don't even know no. how Paris actually feels about her here. Um, yeah, I was just like that's weird. I um, did kind so, of so very much that, get though. the even though Helen's is like even though she gives the impression that or she like outright says that she was stolen and it was just she's being used as a pawn like i i her character i feel is much more of like a mastermind type i think it would have been and maybe this was something that was in the book and i missed it but i feel like it would have worked a little better to have her be the ultimate mastermind behind the like so the the war itself is is described as a means by which the gods get all of their power back. It, instead of having Helen say she was stolen, like having it be that she needed a war to happen, and this was the easiest way she could see to make that happen. So she 
like seduced Alexander and, and persuaded her, persuaded him to take her rather than kind of saying, oh, well, someone just took me. Um, because the rest of the story, she's such a um, an autonomous figure. And you're right, like Alexander, he turns up like once and Helen is very obviously under the control of no man. Um, and even Zeus is, he, he's battling for possession of her, but it's very clear that she is um, encouraging and glorying in the, like, the sacrifice destruction as much as any of the other gods are. Yeah, so I mean, I guess in that context, I would see and understand more, but the fact that, like, she wasn't, so she like she never said, and it was not made clear that she seduced mm -hmm. Paris or Alexandu. So, yeah, that's the only thing that I was like, okay, that to me it doesn't make as much sense. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like it doesn't make sense at all, but right. it just doesn't make as much mm -hmm. sense. Um, she was a great so, yeah, villain, I mean, though. She was. A great I really villain. disliked I mean, I, her. I did too, but but then again, you know, having seen some of the other movies, um, I also just really. I don't like her in any context. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of all the things I've seen her in. I don't like her in any context. I think anything with Ellen, you're going to hear me be like, oh, this bitch again. Okay, now she's doing this. Now she's doing that. Now she's being helpless. Now she's being conniving. Now she's just being useless. I think like, at the, the end of this season, we need to sit down and decide if there's actually an instance in which either of us likes Helen as a character. Like I think we do. Which, I need to, which I think, media did it best? I think we do. We need like a full wrap up on Helen because she's she's blamed for everything. All these things, this war, the epics, it's all based on her and her face. And you know what do they say? Hers is the face that launched a thousand ships. And I'm like, okay, this bitch over here, like <laughs> in this one, she's evil, and this one, she's just useless, and this one, she's just annoying, and like you know, being like a little twat in the corner i don't know <laughs> like i just ugh, helen you know? the woman with no redeeming qualities <laughs> except a pretty face except, that bewitches people yes i'm not sure that, does that count as a redeeming quality though it's a quality certainly <laughs> i don't know does does are you redeemed in any context any context if you're pretty <laughs> it depends who you ask I think so, because I'm like, I mean, beauty can be used for a lot of things. Mm. Nefarious actions, for sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like, but that that in itself is like a really subjective question, right? Because it's like, you ask anyone who isn't, quote unquote, pretty, and they'd probably be like, oh, a lot of things in my life would be better if I were pretty. That would redeem me, my beauty. Um, and I suppose, you know, I've, I won't name them, but I've met several unfortunate women throughout my life who are kind of dumb as fence posts uh but so the only thing that redeems them i suppose is yeah. is their looks so i don't know it depends um but yeah that's a, a really shallow way of looking at i suppose <laughs> um i don't know i feel like i think it's a combination of just seeing and reading and knowing and analyzing helen and realizing that the only thing she's got going for her is her looks because her personality sucks. <laughs> and then maybe it's like me because I've worked in and I'm studying politics. But I'm like, oh, my God, Helen reminds me of like all these politicians where um, it's like if you happen to have a somewhat young and halfway decently in political circles, attractive person, people are willing to like forgive to them yeah. and it doesn't matter what they do or what their personality is. So um, I guess I was like sitting and I was like analyzing this last night, but um, I was thinking Helen is like the female version of like Paul Ryan or like, um, well, I don't find her super attractive, but uh, I know conservatives who do, but like Sarah Palin where people were like, Oh, she's pretty. It doesn't matter about her personality. <laughs> that could suck. But like, I mean, she's like got At that milk thing attractive. going. So yeah, they're like, you know, they're like, okay, well, she has that MILF thing going. So, you know, whatever, I'll just vote for her. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm kind of like, oh my God, is Helen like the MILF? Is she the Sarah Palin of the Iliad? 
is that horrible? Is that horrible? Well, so I think I think the problem is that in the source material we get nothing of her except that she's beautiful. So mm-hmm. when you're doing an an adaptation, what was it? What do you do with that? I think I think that Maya did something very different in that she made her like unequivocally evil, um, mm-hmm. and gave her a hell of a lot more agency and like dislikable but more personality I think than a lot of other adaptations do. Um, but I think mm. because the two things you have are that she's attractive and she's the cause of the war, I think it's quite difficult to build like a likable person around those two things. Um, you, I think. Oh it, my god! Mm. Yes. No, I've got it. I've got it. Okay. So in Maya's version in Wrath Goddess, um, Helen is totally like the evil, like like Sarah Palin. So she's so she's kind of like conniving, on awful, and has a horrible personality, but like I guess is quote unquote pretty. Um, but in the like the the more conventional representations um she's like melania trump like she has no personality she doesn't do anything her big redeeming quality is that she was a model once Mm -hmm. or whatever so she's pretty and then she's willing to go along with the Mm -hmm. dude who might do the uh uh morally questionable horrible things because she doesn't have a personality of her own yep that works we've solved it people we have solved the question of who Helen is in modern politics. <laughs> Just in modern life, yeah. honestly. It doesn't even have to be political. Um, but yeah, that's that's who she is. So do you have final <laughs> thoughts about Wrath Goddess before we wrap it up? Yeah, I would say final thought is um, if you're going into this like we did with um, degrees of knowledge in the ancient world and especially classics um don't sleep on it don't skip it because you know it's really tempting i feel to be like okay yet another sort of retelling of a time old story i I don't need to hear this um i would say no give it give it a chance because i didn't know what to expect and i was very pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. by a lot of twists and turns um and uh and i think that it sets the basis for a lot of really cool future storytelling by Maya. Mm-hmm. I love what she's done. And um, it really has me excited to read future materials that she does because she's willing to meld a lot of ancient cultures and source material to make one really good narrative. So um, my advice is just read it and have fun with it. And please, by no means, don't go into it um, thinking, yes, this is historically accurate historically based because it's not so just don't read it and uh, like give it a bad review because you're expecting something more historical Mm -hmm. it is clearly not it is very fictionalized so if you can keep an open mind and just say it's completely fictional then you're gonna have a great time and it's real trippy yeah i i think i i agree with that there is an excellent level of historical detail in there like maya has done a massive amount of research which i think helps place it very securely in a time and a place and gives it a very solid background for the whole narrative but it's a book about a demigoddess and about a god's ancient struggle across millennia over like power and possession and um like essentially who is who rules so it's not going to be historically accurate for all the research and for all that it is set in a in a specific time um it like you said it's a work of fiction it's beautifully written the characters are compelling and believable and sympathetic and absolutely awful in some cases uh don't don't ever talk to dolphins is one of my main takeaways from this um but absolutely, if you have any interest in ancient mythology or historical fiction, give this a read because it's excellent. Um, but rather than expecting something like maybe the Berlin Girl, maybe think of the Berlin Girl crossed with Star Trek and you'll have a great time. <laughs> um, and then I, I would say, I just want to add on like, yeah, my other main takeaway is um, if you've ever really wanted to know what a Super Smash Bros. Brawl Final Fantasy <laughs> Transformer Kirby is like, then read this. You will not be disappointed. 
You would not be disappointed. Uh, but hey, thanks for joining us and um, join us next week because we are talking with the wonderful author Maya Dean. Right. And the week after that, we're going to be watching Troy, the 2004 movie with Brad Pitt. So if you feel like watching along or if you haven't watched in a while and you need a refresher, you have two weeks to get that done. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at The Reading Party Podcast. If you'd like to leave us a book or movie suggestion, then email us at thereadingpartypod at gmail.com. See you next week. Mm-hmm.